Hello and welcome to the MTP Connect podcast. I'm Stuart Dignan. Today on the podcast, we're going bench to boardroom, that link between science and the companies that make medical products and support jobs. And joining us for the discussion is Misha Schubert, who's Chief Executive at Science and Technology Australia, and Professor Mark Hutchinson, who's the new president at STA, and also from the Arc Centre of Excellence in Nanoscale Biophotonics, based at the University of Adelaide. Uh, hello to you both. G'day, great to be here. G'day, g'day Stuart. So this, this theme of uh, bench to boardroom was one of the key themes at Science Meets Parliament for this year. Misha, can you just give us a, a quick background on Science Meets Parliament? Indeed. Well, this was an event that was started in 1999. So this year was the 22nd Science Meets Parliament in Australia. And it's a world first innovation developed by Australia's science and technology community to build deeper relationships essentially between the worlds of science and technology and engineering and maths uh, and the parliament and policymakers in the public service in Canberra. Its origins came out of an insight that unless you have those enduring relationships year round and, and a real knowledge of each other, opportunities get missed for Australia uh, because the policymakers don't have access to a ready stream of ideas and expertise and because people who have deep expertise aren't able to then convey those ideas effectively at the right times into the policymaking process. So the, the idea was born in 1999. Uh, John Howard was Prime Minister at the day. It's had really strong engagement and support from governments and from the parliament in its breadth across the 22 23-year uh, history um, that it's been run. And each year we've seen uh, the, event, the event get bigger and bolder. Uh, this year we had something like 587 scientists and technologists and commercialisers uh, engage uh, in that program of training, deepening the skills development for the STEM community about how to engage with the parliament and policy work. Uh, and then we've got a, a vast array of meetings happening between parliamentarians and scientists this week. So uh, after we've trained um, and deepen those skills and extension, um, the science community, we then create these opportunities for people to meet each other, scientists to meet with MPs and senators and build those relationships of trust and knowledge. I guess something that's emerged over the last couple of years particularly is this idea of um, acting on the advice of the scientists or the medical advice, and maybe that's come to the fore like never before. And, 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 and perhaps that's what Science Meets Parliament is about, is the evidence base. Um, connecting with the 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 political decision makers. Yeah, that's right, and and so that people have that knowledge that it, that that you know of each other's work, um, and have a relationship when those moments come when a minister or a member of parliament is looking at a complex emerging issue, uh, where the science might be evolving really rapidly, and knows that oh, I'll call Mark Hutchinson because he's the world expert in this bit of science and we're about to do a complex piece of legislation through the parliament or we're about to think about a new initiative that government needs to stand up and we're going to tap that expertise because people know each other. You know, I often think that relationships are so are, are such invaluable currency in policymaking, just helping people to find um, each other's expertise and to draw on that deep expertise that we have in Australia's science community uh, at, at moments of grand challenge for the country, but also lots of other really much smaller scale um, opportunities where that deep expertise can be really valuable to the parliament and the public service also. Uh, Mark, you took centre stage at the National Press Club 
uh, and this on this very theme of uh, bench to boardroom. And of course, MTP Connect was was more than proud to support that particular aspect of Science Meets Parliament. Give me your perspective on on bench to boardroom. Why are you so passionate about that? Yeah, thanks, Stuart. I, I guess for me, I, I've always, uh, in hindsight, been a bench to boardroom scientist. Um, I haven't really known anything else, but but in all honesty, I didn't know I was doing it at the time. Um, you know, in in coming through drug development and pharmacology. Um, my industry colleagues were always on the phone, always connected to the programs of work we were undertaking, which meant I was always communicating my science in a slightly different way to those colleagues. But then as I expanded my world and went overseas, I realised that I wasn't normal uh, and that this wasn't the normal way of engaging in the science like this, which had both its benefits and its downsides because it meant that when I was engaging with my other colleagues in the US, for example, they were really punching for the top journals. And this was you know, a really great opportunity to hit those marks. But then as soon as the paper was published, it was all over. Move on to the next thing, um, next grant, next next opportunity. And I was like, but, but hang on, there are people we need to help here. Um, how do we do this? How do we get that next level of engagement involved? And so that's where um, my passion for that translational science came through. and. And in working with STA and, and the broader um, team here in, back in Australia, really identifying that those opportunities for bench to boardroom science in Australia are not a natural progression. We do spectacular bench to discovery science and publishing that work to the bookshelf, but we, we stop there. And, and that's been the part that we've been really keen to open up because Government wants a return on investment from fantastic investments into fundamental discovery science. We have a range of challenges in health and medical science, as well as environmental, as well as energy um, uh, sciences, to have large solutions provided. I see an opportunity um, that having a boardroom out impact and output really will change how science is done in Australia and critically create long-term security for job jobs of scientists across academia and industry. You talk about that barrier, the, 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 we're great at the research bit, but the translation bit we've struggled with the, to, to some degree. Why is that the case, do you think, Mark? So I'll, I'll do, draw the comparison between the US and Australia. So um, we had some discoveries that we made at the bench um, in the US um, we presented that to some local venture capital um, uh, investors within the Boulder area. Boulder is an amazing location, a lot of rich hippies around willing to invest <laughs> really early in, in projects. Um, and they got interested. And that then meant, oh, we could get some seed funding and the programs like the FBIR program that's run by the US, which is specifically there to bridge that gap between promising idea before a product. Here in Australia, we have a much more conservative venture capital market. We don't have, we didn't have government schemes that really enabled that bridging of that gap. Uh, and, and that's the key piece. Because that opportunity hasn't been present, we haven't had a critical mass of entrepreneurial scientists willing to go that next step to actually exercise those options to do that translational piece. So we haven't had the people skilled 
we've got plenty of talented people, but just not people skilled in those specific, uh, specific areas, and then the funding. Um, and so if we can draw those two together, the Australian Economic Accelerator Scheme is bringing the money in. What we see at STA is this opportunity to create that first generation of translational bench to boardroom scientists to be responsible, successful chaperones of that government investment into a broader range of opportunities and jobs, which should deliver new innovations, new health uh, benefits, new, new manufacturing opportunities, and of course, solutions for the country. And Misha, your your work at STA, uh, what what's your perspective on that that interface, the passing on of knowledge about the science and the capability and the importance of translation to MPs and their staff? Yeah, look, that's hugely important. Um, and to to sort of um, to add to what Mark's uh, just beautifully kind of outlined there, I think there's, you know, STA is in the hunt for translation in all its forms at the moment. So part of um, part of what we're thinking about with the sort of parliamentary engagement is translating that knowledge out of the science and tech community into public policy. Um, and we see a really exciting opportunity also to translate more of that discovery research, those big breakthroughs that Australia is really great at doing, um, particularly in science, into um, that pipeline of translated and commercialised products. This is absolutely core to Australia's future prosperity, to diversifying our economy. And we're keenly aware that MTP Connects played a really important role um, in the medtech uh, world, both in providing that sort of pathway and, and skills training. And, and our vision is really to try and do something at, 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 at even broader scale across the country for all of the sectors of science and technology, engineering and maths, uh, so that we're building that community of um, skilled scientists and brilliant entrepreneurs who understand both the deep science, technology and engineering that underpins an innovation, but are also wanting to play uh, in that broader field of taking their own or other people's innovations further along that commercialisation pathway across that valley of death um, and bringing together those two pieces that are crucial to that, which is the the capital essentially to, to get it to that point where the venture capital markets do get interested and, and, and are more willing to step in, but also the skills and the community. And we know from our Superstars of STEM program, which has been a, a huge success, that there's something really important and powerful about building a community of people who are trying to achieve something together and that the benefits of doing that rather than just um, spotting individual talent and investing individually in talent uh, is so much more. You get a, a multiplication factor for your, uh, for your investments when you train people in those sort of cohorts and communities together. Do you think um, the messages are, uh, are being better understood these days, Misha? I know there's the new new investments um, coming through, so perhaps that is the case, but what's your perspective on that? Look, certainly I think the pandemic has really focused the minds of both the Australian public and policymakers uh, about the v power and value of science in our lives. It's sort of been front and centre, hasn't it, if we think about the lived experience. Uh, and even before this pandemic um, began, you know, we had that um, scarifying uh, intense bushfire season across the summer just prior to the pandemic starting. And science is absolutely critical to the recovery, the long-term recovery of communities 
communities uh, and of our ecology across the continent after something that devastating. And then, of course, throughout the pandemic, we've seen how important science is, the capabilities around vaccines and testing and public health advice that's informed by science and all the complex medical care, the, the whole new raft of antiviral treatments that are being stood up um, across the world. And I guess the key point that we would make to people about all of that is in order to have the standing capability ready in that moment of huge challenge for humanity or our country, we've got to make a sort of 10 to 20 year prior investment in the foundational discovery science and the capabilities and the products and all of that work that means we have you know, the ability to say to the science community, we've got this huge challenge, go. And they, you know, magnificently rise to those challenges. But it does require that long-term deep investment in the scientific infrastructure, uh, the big complex scientific facilities that we have across the country in the skilled workforce and trying to nurture and safeguard and protect our talent because that is our, our greatest asset in science in this country is the skilled, brilliant workforce we have um, and that its willingness to step in in those moments um, to help the country and humanity. So I think, um, you know, the lesson out of all of that and, um, and perhaps the sort of upswell in further public appreciation um, um, and value and trust in science is to say, well, let's use this moment now to think about, you know, what are the foundational pieces of investment that we now need to make as a country to set us up for the next huge challenge and the one after that. Now, Mark, you're at the coalface of this uh, this translational challenge and journey. Um, I'm, I'm suspecting, you know, these these things do have taken time for you. They just haven't happened overnight. What 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 is it actually like on the coalface of turning the science into a product? It's exciting. Um, you can go from thinking, oh, this is a really cool piece of measurement technology in a lab sitting on a stable table that is, you know, a, a million dollars worth of kit that could blow a hole in the wall behind you and then realise this, if we can simplify it, can be put into the hands of a surgeon. And in the hands of a surgeon, this piece of technology can then be used to determine whether enough of the uh, tumour has been resected from a woman who's on the table for breast cancer surgery. And what does that mean? It means that that woman doesn't then have to wait um, for four weeks for the pathology to come back to then potentially have to go under the knife again um, or to have a super conservative surgeon doing a brilliant job but taking too much of the tissue and ending up with a profound cosmetic challenge that needs to then be addressed by someone else. Having a physicist understand that their light guiding path in the sense of nanoscale biophotonics could impact a person changes the way that they approach their science. And suddenly they go, oh, well, I better get faster at this. Oh, I better simplify this. Oh, I better do this better. And then, when you start running the clinical trials and getting them exposed to what it actually means um, to go from running three experiments, because in physics it's wonderful, it just works every single time. You know, it, it, it's a simple process compared to the messiness of human biology. Um, you need to run this 182 times before you actually know whether statistically this is going to work. Um, understanding, getting the physicists to understand that, the chemists to understand that, and then say, Okay, now we need to start thinking about taking the million-dollar piece of equipment down to a simpler product. 
and a simpler product that maybe is 12 grand and is sterilizable and is going to be in a dirty environment and is going to have to meet all these regulatory hurdles. And suddenly these brilliant people start realizing that the world is not just contained within a light you know, laser lab. There's actually a lot of other capabilities and technologies out there. And, and that's just one example. And you see that replicated over and over again. And people start realizing that the way they are communicating their science in a dry and direct way to an audience is not the only way it can be communicated. It needs to have some life to it. So yes, light is guided by an optical path from an excitation source to an emitter, great. But let's now say we've got a laser going with a fiber optic into a needle, into cancer and back again. You know, that, that brings life to that science. And, and that's where I get excited by seeing these brilliant scientists being even more excited excited about their science and the impact that they can have. The journey you've just described is, um, I'm guessing, years long and complicated. How have you found, you know, corralling the support that you need to continue that journey to realise the potential that you're all so passionate about at the at the beginning? I've been really fortunate to be operating within a center of excellence. This is not a normal experience. We had a seven-year horizon over which we could operate. And that, that meant that we could take people on the journey of discovery with the knowledge that if they, when they discovered something that was able to be used, we could then take that through in a nurturing way through to potential application. That is not normal. If we can scale the Australian systems that support research to move from the two to three year horizons to the seven year time scales, it creates certainty and more likelihood of taking those people and their science, both the scientists and their science, forward to application. Now, it's not a journey that everybody wants to go on. And, and I can guarantee you a bunch of my physicists would love to not do that journey, and I'm not going to make them do that because they spend much more efficient time in the lab doing brilliant work. But likewise, there's a bunch of my clinician friends who I would never bring back into the lab because they have trained themselves for years on their surgical techniques. Mm. It's horses for courses or, or scientists for solutions, right? So we have this opportunity to identify these people, take them through, but it's not just about developing the individual with the skills they need to understand the language of what's the minimum viable product, what's, what's the minimum regulatory uh, pathway to get this through, what, what's the minimum manufacturing uh, uh, opportunities that are presented to us. It's also getting them to see that maybe they need to take their complex piece of equipment and work out the science that needs to go into making this simpler making this work in a faster way, understanding that maybe the measurement doesn't need to be made every 30 milliseconds. Actually, every three minutes is fine. Um, and that, that hurts them somewhat because every single time it's, it's more specific, more sensitive, faster measurements. But sometimes that's not what's needed. And, and that changes how the science is done and, and getting people to realise if there's the impact there, that's the goal. It doesn't always have to be the shiniest, brightest thing that's uh, been ever created. Misha, let's turn to, um, well, maybe not Science Meets Parliament for 2023, although I'm sure you're, you're already well on the way to, to sorting that out. But for STA, what's at the top of your agenda at the minute? 
Yeah, thank you. It's um, well, it's obviously lots of themes around research commercialisation and the really exciting opportunities we see for the country if we can build that capability to its next level here for our country. Um, look, we see that as hugely important um, for prosperity, but also for um, the kind of diverse economy and uh, an inclusive um, uh, economy where people from all of the diversity uh, of our uh, of our wider community are encouraged into science and technology, engineering and math pathways. Um, we're obviously also a champion for diversity, equity and inclusion in STEM. We see that that's a really important part of our role. Um, you know, broadly, STA has been this sort of connector of brilliant people and ideas in the science and tech world in Australia. Um, and there's all this sort of magic that happens out of bringing people together across that whole diversity of the sector. Uh, but we're also really, really uh, committed at our core. Diversity is in our DNA. And so helping to widen the visibility of really diverse brilliant scientists and technologists across the country and we do that through things like the superstars of stem program where we're building this sort of much more visible cohort of diverse brilliant leaders of all shapes and sizes and cultural backgrounds and and identities um, so that we're helping our next generations of young australians to see that science and technology are for them uh, that uh, you know whatever your um, background um, there is a place for you in our science and tech community and we need to do that not just as a matter of ex excellence not not sorry not just as a matter of equity but because it's important for excellence so all the long-range literature on um, how you get the best innovation and the best profitability and productivity in workplaces and in companies shows us that diversity is crucial to excellence. The companies that diverse have diverse workforces and, and design teams are the ones that ask the best questions in their product design because people are coming at those, um, those processes with their different life experiences and different assumptions um, and testing each other's assumptions in a much more rigorous way. So uh, we see we've got um, further work to do on that um, and really um, that's a key part of our priorities. Um, also nurturing the science workforce in our country. So the other thing that um, uh, has been really clear to us through the course of the pandemic has been the great weight that um, many in our science and research community have carried through the experience of the pandemic. Um, we've seen an uptick in workloads and, and, and challenges for people feeling really fatigued across the end of that two-year period particularly. Um, and so we know we've got an urgent task for the country of safeguarding that scientific talent, nurturing it, uh, and really as Mark was saying before, trying to set up the conditions so that we give people, uh, you know, more security so they can get on and do the great science that the country needs them to do. And Mark, what about for you? What are you working on at the moment? I'm working really hard with the SDA team to enable all of the visions of the SDA. I mean, exactly what uh, Misha spoke to, diversity is key. Uh, enabling security for the workforce is key. And there are some simple things that can be done. Um, to create the transparency in decision-making times, um, in, in helping us work closer with industry. Um, my industry colleagues just don't understand that the government can make an announcement about a grant scheme and then hold on to that information and not let us know when those timing, when those announcements are going to be successful. It's like, come on, we, we, we want to move forward here. We, we want to make this investment. Tell us. Uh, so simple things like that in, in liaising and building re relationships with government uh, and departments to understand that there are simple things, zero cost things that can be implemented. Um, but then I'm also really excited about seeing more of our um, non 
STEM currently, professionals engaging in understanding STEM, understanding that we need more of our professionals, our artists, our, our social scientists to understand some of the science process so that when we then, as Misha pointed out before, when we have this opportunity present, the teams are already ready to go. Uh, and those relationships are built. And, and that's where I'm seeing huge opportunities for creating these alliances across different areas where there's broad applications of innovation uh, uh, to, to the betterment of, of a sector. Uh, these, these are opportunities I'm seeing coming through. And, and that's, that's really exciting to make, you know, make a, a, a neurosurgeon realise that their work that they're doing on a particular brain region that's really important in childhood development is the same challenge that a farmer out back is dealing with in a weaning program for their beef cattle or their sheep. And the two coming together, realizing, oh, we could do something fun together. Um, that's the kind of thing that I'm seeing um, coming through. And, and duplicating, not, not, um, not replacing, but duplicating these experiences all over the place around Australia, where we can draw those critical mass together so we start to see that excitement blossom and the opportunities blossom from that. Um, and, and the opportunities that the government have created with some of these funding schemes will actually allow that to occur on scale, which is, which is great. Well, on that incredibly optimistic note, I'm going to thank you both for joining the MTP Connect podcast today. Thanks for your time and we'll keep in touch and speak with you soon. A pleasure. Thank you so much. That's Misha Schubert, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Science and Technology Australia, and also Professor Mark Hutchinson, who is the President of STA. You're listening to the MTP Connect podcast. Thanks for downloading us. Uh, do subscribe if you've got a minute, and uh, equally if you've got a minute, give us a rating or give us a review. It helps other people find our podcast. Until next time.